Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Real Reading Talk. I am your host, Ms. Sasha, and with Real Reading Talk, I discuss the real systemic issues that are at the very core, the very foundation of why there are low levels of literacy in the Black community, and I do it in a way in which there is no sugarcoating, no chaser, and that is why I call it Real Reading Talk, and I discuss the ways in which we can combat these issues together. I welcome you if this is your first time listening. I hope that you uh, not only enjoy this podcast, but I hope that you gain much benefit from this podcast. And I hope that you share as well. All right. So make sure that uh, you share this information uh, so that we can continue to uh, listen to uh, information that is going to be beneficial and uplifting for our black community. All right. And so now what this episode, episode 28, y'all. Okay. So what I'm talking about this episode is I want to delve a little bit into, uh, the historical aspect of why we have these low levels of literacy in the black community. And I'm not going to go into like a whole history lesson, uh, because number one, I'm not even qualified, uh, as a historian, you know, um, I'm not a historian. All right. So I'm not a scholar. All right. So I'm just like you, uh, those of you who have either stumbled across my podcast or those of you who have been hip to me for a while. Um, I'm trying to learn, uh, about our history as black folks when it comes to, uh, literacy, and why we are in this place. How did we get here? Because we got to remember, anytime to solve a problem, we have to figure out, well, how did it start? How did we get here? And, uh, and of course, after that, then it's about the solutions piece. And, um, of course, those of you uh, who understand, um, you know, black history, we know that black folks, uh, of course, who are ancestors, rather, uh, our African ancestors were enslaved, all right? And when our African ancestors were enslaved, uh, the first thing that you do to enslave a person is you have to uh, subjugate them mentally, all right? You have to break them down, okay? Mentally and, and, and spiritually, you got to take away any aspect of hope, all right? And of course, so this is one of the things that the devilish white supremacists did. So when they marched our ancestors uh, to those slave castles before they went on to those um, horrible, hellish uh, slave ships, you know, they did the divide and conquer. All right. So that's one of the tools of the white supremacists. Okay. The, the devilish white supremacists. One of the tools is to divide and conquer. So they made sure they were separating the men from the women. All right. They were making sure that they were doing things like raping the women and the children and the girls in front of the men. All right. So they were doing that because they wanted to uh, weaken the men because they knew the men were they were taking away the protectors. OK, so they said, OK, we're going to do things like making sure that we break down those men and make them feel like they're less than. So they did things like that. They also made sure that those uh, our African uh, brothers and sisters who were from the same tribes, they made sure that they separated them. 
And they made sure that, of course, again, because if you have people from the same tribe, you're going to speak the same language. And so you're going to be able to uh, connect and talk about ways in which you can defeat, you know, uh, these uh, ignorant people. people, if you will, you know, from continuously oppressing you and torturing you and traumatizing you. All right. So remember, these are things, these are just some of the, the, the heinous, uh, sick things that were being done to our African ancestors. And, and, you know, um, so now what I'm going to do is kind of speed it up because I just wanted to just talk about that aspect because I think that aspect is very important because, in order for somebody to learn and to be able to retain information, you can't do it in a way in which you are under extreme amounts of trauma. And so that's something we got to understand. That trauma that our African ancestors endured, that affected and infected their learning process. Okay? And it wasn't like our ancestors did not know things. Yes, they did. In fact, a lot of our African uh, brothers and sisters who were enslaved, a lot of them were literate, all right? A lot of them knew already how to read and write. And then they knew how to read and write or just communicate, rather, just in their own languages. You know, so it wasn't like a thing where just because they didn't know how to, you know, they weren't reading English or Spanish or French, they didn't know how to read. They didn't have to worry about those languages because they had their own African languages, But of course, by them being enslaved by either French speaking people or English speaking people or Spanish speaking people, you know, they obviously had to learn those languages. All right. And so it was something um, that they had to learn in the best way they could under torture and under stress and under trauma. Okay. so that with that being said, so again, like I said, now I'm going to speed it up. Now I'm going to bring us up to uh, the point to where slavery was really uh, rolling, okay? So, you know, they, at this point, and I'm bringing this up to the, like the 1700s and the 1800s, okay? So there you have um, something called the slave codes that was enacted, all right? So you had things like slave codes or black codes. And what these uh, slave codes were, these were basically laws, that were enacted that said that basically what black people could or could not do. And so one of the slave codes that was enacted was in 1740 in South Carolina. And so you had, and and as you will, um, when I start giving you all these dates in the different states, I would love for you to write these down. And the reason why is because you can research and delve a little deeper yourselves Because again, like I said, of course, as you know, I'm not, uh, if you don't know, (laughs) now you know, I'm not a scholar. I'm not a historian. I'm somebody who is just uh, really uh, uh, curious and I really, really want to understand this whole aspect um, about uh, why our ancestors, uh, how they became illiterate and how it relates to the illiteracy rates up to now when it comes to black people. And so 1740, again, in South Carolina, they had the slave codes. And it basically said things like black people were not allowed to read. They were not allowed to write. 
Okay. Also, you had the slave codes that was in uh, 1829. All right. And that was in Georgia. And it was the, again, the prohibition of black people being able to read. Also, you had in 1832 in Alabama and in Virginia, which prohibited white people from teaching blacks to read or write. Okay. Because, you know, you, you still, you had some white folks who, you had some who were trying to uh, help black people when it came to, uh, you know, teaching them different things of that nature. As, as we know, Frederick Douglass talked about that in uh, the narrative uh, of the life of Frederick Douglass. He talked about the white woman who did help him initially. Um, and when it came to him learning how to read, but then her husband said, oh, no, you can't do that. And why did he tell him? Why did he tell his wife? No, because he understood the power of learning how to read. He was like, wait a minute, you do that. Then he gonna, then he's going to start reading and learning. And, and that's going to you know, help him understand what's going on. And then he's going to be like, wait a minute. Why am I in this position? Why am I sitting up here doing all this work for these people? Why am I sitting up there allowing myself to be subjugated? You know, and that's why uh, one of the things that Frederick Douglass said, once you learn to read, you will be forever free. So when he had got that taste of learning how to read and then after that, uh, you know, that white mistress, she not only stopped teaching him. I mean, she he said that she she became worse than her husband in terms of, you know, the way she was treating him and all of that. All right. And so but he was like that. He did not let that stop him. Okay, so that just goes to show you again how the power of something of learning how to read and learning how to write and and being educated, how that is freeing, that is liberation. Okay, so I talked about, again, I said the 1740 South Carolina slave code, so make sure you write that down, 1829 Georgia, 1832 Alabama and Virginia, and also 1833, the Georgia Prohibition of blacks from being able to read or, or having jobs where they were uh, writing. All right. And actually it's something interesting I had when I was doing my research There there was, you had some white people who were uh, white slave owners rather who were okay with black people trying to learn how to read as long as they were reading the Bible. So, um, and that, and that actually is going to bring me into, uh, Nat Turner, um, in terms of his rebellion, but you had white slave owners. They were okay when it came to black people learning how to read the Bible, because remember, um, for those of you who, uh, you know, know this history already, that was one of the ways in which they kept our, uh, our African brothers and sisters enslaved. Because they were twisting up the Bible verses and saying, um, you know, it says in the Bible that you're supposed to, uh, you have the master and you have the slave. And basically that's we're your masters and, and you are the slaves. Um, so they were basically saying all kinds of uh, taking the different Bible verses and they were, t- uh, you know, changing them up and basically using them to enslave our ancestors. Okay, so they were okay with that. They were like, yeah, uh I want you to go ahead and read read that Bible. Now, they didn't want them to write, interestingly enough. And one of the main reasons why they didn't want them to learn how to write was because they were afraid they were going to write their own passes so that uh, to make it uh, seem as though like forge a pass to, to show that 
they're, they're free, you know, so they were forged like freedom passes or different things like that. So they didn't want them to be able to write. Okay. So they can, you know, make up little, you know, they can pass notes, you know what I'm saying? Or whatever the case, uh, to, to others. So they were like, okay, I don't want you to do that. We don't want you to have that form of communication, but you can read the Bible. You can be Bible literate. Then also I wanted to, and, and again, like I said, the segue into Nat Turner, um, the reason, one of the main reasons why there was an upsurge in uh, a lot of those slave codes around like the 1830s, early 1830s was because of Nat Turner's rebellion. And it was said that in 1829, you had David Walker who wrote something called David Walker's Appeal. Okay. And it was called David Walker's Appeal to the Colored Citizens of the World. And it advocated black people rebelling. And now this was written in 1829. And it was said that Nat Turner had read that. Okay. And, um, and I believe Denmark Vesey as well. He was another one. They were talking about him uh, reading that as well. But basically, um, it was said that Nat Turner was reading that. And also, too, uh, you know, Nat Turner, because they were actually using Nat Turner originally. Nat Turner was being used to read the Bible verses to his enslaved brothers and sisters. So they would use, so if there was an enslaved uh, person who knew how to read, then what, again, going back to the whole Bible literate piece, then they would use them to go ahead and read Bible verses to try to, you know, keep reminding the, the, their enslaved brothers and sisters that this is your lot in life. You're supposed to be a slave. You know, God said that, you know, we're these masters, you serve us, and then you're going to get to heaven. Okay. So, but then Nat Turner, you know, uh, he, he flipped it on him and he was like, Oh, Oh yeah. That that's, that's what it's about. Oh no, 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 no. I don't, I don't think so. And so then, uh, as we know, Nat Turner, him, and he got, you know, his crew of, uh, his enslaved brothers and sisters, and they went on a slaughtering rampage. And I was so happy about that part. And they was killing all kind of white folks. Why? Because they were sick and tired of being sick and tired. They said, no, we're not about to go for this no more. I, we are going to fight back. We are going to rebel. And so, of course, we, uh, we, for those of you who don't know the story, it, you know, it, it didn't end well for Nat Turner. But I say this, it did. Why? Because he left a hell of a mark. He made it clear. He put that fear into those white supremacists, those alleged white supremacists, okay? Uh, those who believe they were supreme. Because that ain't nothing supreme about you when you are oppressing people. But he put a fear in their hearts. And that's when they started really cracking down. And so you talk about slave codes, you talk about all kind of laws. It was like, hold up, wait a minute. You know, nope, y'all can't read them, them uh, N-words. They cannot read, they cannot write, they cannot learn, they can't go here, they can't go there. White people got to be present. If there's three or more black folks, white, a white person has to be there. That's when, you, that's when you saw the uptick, the upsurge of all of those 
slave codes that happen to our people. Okay. So with that being said, um, again, you know, uh, with my, my podcast, Real Reading Talk, I am here to give it to you raw, give it to you straight about the low levels of literacy in the black community, how we got here. And um, again, with this episode, I just wanted to uh, give you all just a little bit of historical context. And that's just a little bit that I'm dropping. This is just small little pieces. There, there is a plethora of information out there in terms of, you know, the talking about the slave codes, talking about, you know, uh, the history of, of black folks in terms of you know, when it comes to slavery and all of those things. And, and you have a lot of different scholars, a lot of different people out here who have done a lot of great work. And I definitely, definitely highly recommend um, that you, you know, all start getting on that journey to finding out about our history. Because remember, you know, when we learn about these different things, it gives us power. And that's why one of the things that one of my slogans, I say reading is freedom. Because the moment you start learning, the moment you start understanding what's going on, you think about what's going on here today. Think about how you got black folks, you have the low levels of literacy, because when you have low levels of literacy, then it actually hurts you in every other area. When it comes to you being able to uh, create your, have your own businesses or getting a job or doing different, taking care of any type of business, because, you know, we have to know how to read and understand what we're reading in order to take care of our business. And so those folks who enslaved our ancestors and continuously, uh, still doing that to this day in terms of trying to keep us from learning about these different things and putting things in the proper perspective, you know, that's why they're, they're, they're continuously doing that because it's benefiting them. They don't want us to, to talk about this. Even if we do happen to stumble across information about our history and all that, they don't want us to go that, that far. They don't really, truly, truly want us to understand what happened to our ancestors, how they were oppressed and traumatized and tortured and raped. They don't want us to talk about that for a reason, because it puts an indictment on them. And when I'm speaking about them, I'm talking about this false notion of white supremacy, this institution, this system, you know, period. And again, like I said, you know, so the, this is, this is why I created this podcast and this, and I hopefully, and this is why you all who are listening, you all are here because you want to be empowered. You want to empower yourself and you want to empower your children. And we cannot be afraid to learn about our history. And we can't be afraid when we learn about it. We can't be afraid to talk about it either. Because it's one thing to learn about it and read about it. But we also have to be able to talk about it and tell our children or if, or if we are teachers, tell the students. You know, we got to be, if, if you're an educator or, or you're in a position, you know, where you're able to impart some type of knowledge to young people, letting them know about our history so they can understand and they can they can start making those changes and they can start saying, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to read more about this. I'm going to learn about this. I come from a great people. All right. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to end right now. Uh, and I'm going to end on two things, two notes. Number one, with the quote uh, from our brother, Frederick Douglass, once you learn to read, 
you will be forever free. And the last thing I want to say, well, before the last uh, few uh, housekeeping things that I have to say, uh, is that um, the book that I'm currently reading, again, I'm still reading that book, Black and Palestine, and it is by Michael Fishbach, Black and Palestine by Michael Fishbach. And it's so interesting. I'll just tell you a little bit uh, so far of what I've read and how he's breaking down how you have our Black uh as, as they would call it, the black militancy group. I don't really like saying it like that. These are people who are about true freedom and liberation. And people like Malcolm X uh, and uh, Stokely Carmichael, you know, those uh, types of uh, uh, people. And basically, and there was also a, a lady in there, I think her name, Ethel Minor, that was a name too. But basically talking about how they were equating the struggle that black people are having here in America with the struggle that the Palestinians uh, were having with uh, the Jews in Israel. And of course, what do we have today? You know, of course, we see the the turmoil that uh, the Palestinians are dealing with right now from from the Jewish uh, uh, folks um, in Israel and um, and of course, the narrative back then in the book, that's what Michael Fishbach is talking about back then. That whole narrative was, well, these uh, Jewish people are being uh, they're being um, persecuted or they're being, you know, uh, um, you know, discriminated against or whatever the case may be by these Palestinians. You know, so all we're doing is we're retaliating, you know, and folks who got some some real. Uh, common sense, looking at the situation, like, wait a minute, hold up. You know, how is it that you are retaliating against them? And they pretty much, it's like they have nothing compared to what you all have. Okay. But you like to keep touting this narrative that, oh no, you know, we're not doing anything. You know, they're the ones who starting this mess. And it's like, no, I don't think so. You know, period. You know, that's the narrative that that is being touted today. And that is the same narrative that was being touted then. And so uh, that's why I said, again, like I told you all before, we got to have historical context to stuff. So when people we have to teach our children, when we are seeing these different news stories, we have to teach them that don't just take it for face value. Find out, well, why did that happen? Why is this going on like that? That's odd. You know, I'm not understanding that, you know. So with that being said, I'm going to end on that. And again, make sure that you please share this podcast. Also, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is called Reading is Freedom. Holla, y'all know what time it is. And also, if you are looking for a reading tutor for your pre-K through fourth grade baby, Please make sure you visit my website, abclearntutoring.com. That is abclearntutoring.com and click on that free reading assessment. And for those of you who are not in my uh, locale, yes, I tutor online. All right. So especially when that COVID hit, that made me really be able to uh, promote my business uh, for those who needed my services who are not um, in my in my area, all right? And so, and also, last thing, you can purchase my merch. Please go to, uh, you can actually, you can go to my website, readingisfreedom.org. Now, it's, it's not, my website is still in its 
uh, construction stages. But if you go there and you click on my store, it'll take you right to the link because I'm selling uh, T-shirts and mugs and I got a face mask up there, uh, hoodies, and it's all reading as freedom apparel. All right. So you all make sure you take care and remember to please keep reading and being empowered and keep reading for at least 30 minutes a day. You've been listening to Real Reading Talk. Peace.